Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight for The Bible Live. We make our way through the Bible every year, all the way through from Genesis to the maps. And we are right now in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and the book of Numbers. We read Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus uh, starting out somewhere around the 1st of November, November the 9th, I guess I remember the exact day. Uh, and then we, after the book of Leviticus, we went to the book of Matthew in the New Testament, and we started our way through the New Testament with the book of Matthew just in time for Christmas and the new year. And then now we have returned uh, to the book of Numbers, books of Numbers and Deuteronomy uh, this past uh, week or two. And, of course, that's timely as well. Uh, it, it, really, i just uh, thinking of that, that, that Matthew, of course, is wonderful that we turn to uh, the one of the Gospels that talks about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And it talks about um, his life and ministry, of course, and that's very timely because we were talking about Christmas time, right? Yeah. And then immediately after that, uh, we finished. We turned to the book of Numbers, and that's just kind of a just to get us ready for for New Year's. What do we do on New Year's, Stacy? We count down. We, we, yeah, we, <laughs> ten, nine, eight. Yeah, numbers. <laughs> yeah, we, we we do the numbers thing, and we eat and. Uh, and we make New Year's resolutions, right? Oh, yes, and we, <laughs> what we do for the new year is we think, okay, uh, what are we going to do this year? What are my plans this year? We kind of, we kind of think about, you know, am I ready? To, do I have enough money? Do I have enough resources? Do I have? We kind of, we kind of think sure. about our plans, you know, and, and kind of get our ducks in a row that we can, well, that's kind of what the book of Numbers is about, right? Yeah. They're, they're supposed to kind of, the people of Israel were given a chance to kind of get their ducks in a row, and now they've left Mount Sinai, Sinai, and they're going up north to the Canaan, to the promised land, mm-hmm. and so now, before they go in and battle and take over, the, you know, the land and conquer and so on, uh, as was the plan, uh, they were given a chance to, okay, let's count. Let's see how many of us there are. Uh, do we have enough resources? Do we have enough manpower? Uh, in a way, I'm making a little yeah. stretch here, yeah, but that's, that's, uh, yeah. the book of Numbers, it's good we're reading it around uh, New Year's when we're kind of thinking about it. Uh, we, we do that yeah, sort of thing. It does remind me of, in terms of a people group, mm-hmm. Numbers, I mean, it is it, as a, a young it's like a toddler. <laughs> I mean, in terms of a nation and a nationality, yeah. it's as if God, you know, is 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 creating and building up a baby nation. That's and exactly <laughs> right. We've talked about that coming 
Uh, remember now the people of Israel. Uh, and, and I want to pause just a moment when we talk about people of Israel. Uh, Any time you see the word Israel in the Bible, and that's part of, partly why we're here, folks, with the Bible Live, is I, I, I'm, I'm wanting to help, if I possibly can, uh, for uh, those of us who uh, are interested in this book, that we see this book as a as a a gift that God has given to us, a record that has been kept about people who have loved God, served God, sought God, uh, followed God. Now, maybe not perfectly, of course, not anywhere near perfectly, but people who have who have been true to the understanding of the one true and living God, the uh, the God who the Creator, the true God of who created everything that exists and everyone that exists in every place and all time and that the same God is is God today as well. And so what we're saying is that this when you see the word Israel, sometimes it's talking about a very specific people group of a, a, a nation group. And that is uh, the these are descendants of Abraham. And yet it's not only just obviously not descendants of Abraham. Uh, uh, it's um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Joseph is part of that. And, and mixed in with all of them, Jacob uh, had 12 sons, one daughter, uh, out of four from four different women. And then, then uh, others married jo- uh, Joseph, had his children and sons from a, a an Egyptian woman, uh, and and further on. So we're not, we are not talking genetics. When you think of Israel, even when we're talking about a, a particular people group, a family group or a clan of people, it is not because they are all direct, perfect, total descendants of abraham isaac and jacob and they all intermarried with each other no 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 and you and we know this is true uh, and but we sometimes don't think about it you have to realize that the the understanding of the people of israel is not primarily genetic or or physical uh you know children and grandchildren and so on uh it it, it really the idea of israel is that the broadest understanding is the people of God, people who to, that believed in the true, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's, a, it's more of a, a belief distinctive than it is a genetic distinctive uh, because people from all even even when they came out of Egypt, there were, there were Israelites that came out of Egypt with them at the base of Mount Sinai. There were people from people groups from other lands and nations that were also in slavery and bondage in Egypt, along with the Egyptian with the uh, Israelites, and, and and of course during all those centuries that the four hundred years that they were in Egypt. So I, I do want us to realize that there were people from all. De- it's not this is not genetic. Uh, when we say Israel, the people of God, this what what distinguishes them now. What we need to understand about Israel is 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 what we see at the base of Mount Sinai. And Stacy, you made mention of it. God was doing some nation building. He took these people 
who came from all different genetic or physical backgrounds, mm-hmm. and he and what distinguished them and what made them now Israel, those who have wrestled with God and won, is a distinct meaning of the word. When God gave the word, J- Jacob's name was changed to Israel. What what distinguishes them is that they are the people of God. They have wrestled with God and, and they've won. They've they've come into that that relationship, a commitment to the one true living, the true Creator the true sustaining God of the universe. And so uh, that's what we need to understand. Now, every now and again, of course, as you're looking through the Old Testament, when it talks about Israel, yeah, that takes shape, that takes uh, form in that given moment, in that given era, that given decade or a year. And there's a certain group of people that that made Israel. and, and, And that's... That's fine, but but the the true big picture of Israel is that it's the people of God, and God has done some nation building at the base of Mount Sinai, and that now that people, with their instructions about uh, about who their God is, about how they should worship Him, how to treat each other, uh, the the different. Um, uh, the details, the tabernacle that was given, the priesthood, those who would, would look out for the spiritual well-being of the nation, uh, all of that, we found that in the book of Numbers. That, that It turns out, remember back in the Passover, um, in, when they were in Egypt, God set apart for himself the firstborn of every family to serve him. And now in Numbers, we, we see that they make a transition. There's a given moment where he says, okay, now... I'm, I'm going to take the Levites now in, instead of, in lieu of the firstborn of every family, I'm going to, now the, the Levites are going to be the, that group. Uh, you see that in chapter 3 of the book of Numbers. Now count all the firstborn sons in Israel who are one month older or older and make a list of their names. And so the Levites must be reserved for me as substitutes for the firstborn sons of Israel. So here we we have in the book of Numbers, uh, God is uh, carving out a people that would, within the people of God, there's going to be a certain one of the 12 tribes that is, they don't inherit land like the other in in the promised land. They're not going to inherit land or cattle uh, as the other tribes will. They are going to be set aside for God for God to that God will use and work through them to minister to the other 11 tribes and the other 11 tribes will help sustain them through their offerings and their sacrifices uh, and they will help sustain them so that this the tribe of the Levites uh, with Aaron being the descendants of Aaron being the chief priest and the Kohathites and the Morarites, and you know we we see the different clans within the tribes of it, of Levi. They are all going to have a function, and to continually preach and teach to the people, to remind the people of their God, to help in the practical way uh, look to the the spiritual and even some of the the physical. They had health concerns. They had some uh, practice in the area of. Justice. They were they served in some ways as judges, and giving the uh, the beginnings of the justice system that would that would take place in the peop- among the people of Israel. 
So anyway, I, I've gotten a little wrapped up in that, but that's what we're looking at now in the book of Numbers. This past week in our readings, if you've been following and reading along with us and following our reading plan to make your way through the entire Bible every year, we read Numbers chapters 11 through 27. Uh, now, all you have to do is go to thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, and you'll find each week, you'll find the readings, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, a thirty, a 15 to 20-minute Bible reading from every, um, as we continue through the Bible. And I hope that you'll do that. Go to thebiblelive.com on your smartphone or your computer and just, let's read through. Uh, you'll get a flawless, perfect reading of the of the New Living Translation of the Bible, and you can we'll read through, listen through to the Bible together, uh, and then here on Sunday nights we get a chance to discuss it. Of course, you can form, you can read this, do this with your family, with a group of people at work, with uh, folks at a class at church. Uh, you can read through that together, and then. Of course, gather together and discuss it among yourselves uh, each day or even on the weekend then. Uh, just have ch chances to kind of share with each other what you hear and what God says to your heart uh, as we make our way through the Bible together. And that's what we do here on Sunday nights. Stacy and I are here. John is here ready to take your phone calls. If you'd like to give us a call and comment on any of these scriptures any of the issues that are raised in these different passages uh, or anything about the Bible for that matter, what it means to know God, walk with God, and anything question you have about the biblical uh, revelation that we have uh, in, even in general or broadly. But uh, uh, we are now focusing, uh, Stacy and I are here, uh, looking at Numbers chapters 11 through 27. That's what we read this past week. If you go to thebiblelive.com, uh, each day this coming week, we'll continue our way through the book of Numbers and go right on in to the last book of what is called the Pentateuch or the Torah, which is the book of De Deuteronomy. Um, so you can, uh, we'll continue from Numbers right on to, into Deuteronomy this coming week. So there we go. That's where we are. And uh, I, I've given you that little thing, of, that little blast about Israel because that's very important to keep in mind as we're reading these chapters to know uh, it's important to keep the big picture, the long view, the long story involved because you see God dealing with Moses, with Miriam, with Aaron. You see God dealing with Joshua and Caleb and these the 12 tribes of Israel, maybe up to two, two to three million people here. Uh, as they come out of Egypt, uh, they're traveling now. They have their uh, the tabernacle is in the middle of the camp. Now, all the tribes have are situated around the tabernacle in a very specific way, and they are traveling up to Canaan, up to the pro promised land. They have the reason the book has the word numbers is because they they were instructed to take a census and decide. Okay. How many people do we have? How many, how many young men, 20 years and older, 20 years of age and older, do we have? And it came out to be 603,000 and so many. Uh, in other words, they were getting ready for battle. What are our resources? How many warriors do we have? Uh, uh, and so on. 
So they were preparing to go up and go into the promised land. Now, of course, what we see happen is that they don't they don't make it. Uh, they, they get there and they 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 want to go in, and so they send in twelve uh, a representative from each of the twelve tribes, and they um, leave Mount Sinai in chapter ten. And in chapter 11, uh, they start complaining uh, one of the things. And that's one of the things that we're going to notice all along here through the book of Numbers is that this, these people have been prepared. They've been taught. They, they, they've made a commitment even. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to follow the true living God. We're gonna be, but when it push comes to shove, when they get out there and they get hungry, and they get to complaining, oh, we don't have any meat. You know, we need this, we need that. We don't have water. We're going to die. And and they're not, you know, they're kind of like us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they have all these promises, all these assurances, and they've seen God work in them, with them, and through them, and around them. And yet still, when push comes to shove, shove uh, there's a there's a significant number of people within the camp that complain and they're, they're, they 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 grumble and they're upset and they're angry and they're hungry and they don't trust God. And so we see this influence within the people continuing. Now it's never, uh, you know, it's just, it's always there. And sometimes the people deal with it. Well, most of the time they deal with it kind of like we do, you know, they, they mess up and they get discouraged and they lose faith and they get afraid and would, they would get they, angry. Would they have had a sense of that bigger picture? Would they have known what, um, you know, that they're just the beginning of, of a story? That's a very, <laughs> very, very good question. I don't, obviously, I, I, now, if you'd like to give us a call and weigh in, I, I think that's a brilliant question. Huh, thanks. How <laughs> much did they know about the long term? Right. Did they realize that? that they are going to be, uh, that they are the vessel, uh, the vessel, Mm -hmm. the vehicle through which God is going to, uh, to bless the whole world, all the nations of the world. Yes. And no, obviously Abraham, Isaac, Jacob knew Joseph knew. Remember, that's why he uh, forgave his brothers. He said, God meant it. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph Mm -hmm. knew about that covenant that God had made with his father Abraham and in J- J- and in with mm-hmm. Isaac, I mean with um, Israel, with Jacob. Mm-hmm. J- that's why Joseph was such an amazing person, individual. He knew of all the 12 sons, and, and they all knew because this was part of their legacy as a family. Right. Part of their identity was, and that's what made them stick together and identified them is that they believed in this this God who told their Abraham that he was the, so yes they knew in the broad strokes mm-hmm. Stacy I would say it seems to me now if you'd like to give me a call 210-340-9585 maybe you'd like to sound off a little bit on as you've read the the Hebrew scriptures how much did the people of Israel know and understand in terms of the long view? Mm-hmm. I think they did. And would they and, have and seen yet, the promised land as the fulfillment of that, or would they have seen that as? They definitely would have seen the promised land, I think, as a fulfillment of that because right. that would have been 
passed down. I mm-hmm. think that's a physical, a, a specific physical thing that now two million people they have to have a place to live. Mm-hmm. They're going to, and, and so surely that I, I I cannot help but think, but that would have been passed down that one that you know that God is now, especially when He brought them out of Egypt miraculously, and and they're told and they're reminded that. You know, remember what God told Abraham, our, you know, that we're going to be and that this would be our land that God is going to. So I, I, my guess would be, yeah, and we can't say universally every one of those two million people knew it. But leaders, you know, Moses, Aaron, right. leadership knew it. They had that promise. They, so they knew about maybe them and their situation and that it all, it, it depended that they were to follow after God. And a part of all of that was their unique calling to follow after the creator, the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. And so that, yes, they would have known. I don't, what they, if they would have known that one day that the plan of God was was spiritual and that the plan of God wasn't about just them as a, see that's one of the things that or land. they do mm-hmm. sometimes they got very ethnocentric right, right. about their calling right. and and it's not necessarily bad you know in their given moment right, right. but they maybe at times lost that Short-sided, view of the, yeah. of the bigger picture of right. but but other times they were very good at it um the prophets, for example, Elijah, Elijah, they they preached to Edom. They preached to Egypt. Right. They gave messages to the other because they knew their job was to re- represent the true and living God. They were a tiny little bastion of of monotheism mm-hmm. in a world surrounded by polytheists, idolaters, false gods, and, and perversions and wickednesses of all kind. And they were this tiny little group that had this these instructions and that were part of their formation as a people group and and they clung to it and they would hold to it now, and they didn't hold it universally within the people of Israel within the camp there were strong believers and people who believed God and there were those who who didn't yeah, for example didn't, yeah. yeah for example think of the uh, the the 12 spies that were right. sent into oh, the land yeah, only 10 yeah. Well, uh, oh, and one of my favorite characters. So it wasn't universal. Right. And one of my favorite characters in Numbers is uh, Balaam, who wasn't even. Uh, oh, yeah. And who hears most clearly, it seems like, and uh, and cannot help but speak the truth. <laughs> Balaam is a. He's amazing. If, where does he come out? What chapter? Uh, I believe uh, it's 17? Fif- 15? 15, I think, or 17. We'll, we'll look at it here in a moment because he is one of the most remarkable individuals in this. Yeah. Uh, in our in yeah. our readings this past week. Even a little bit. Sorry, 22. Yeah, they get up. Yeah, further in. They get up to, um, they're approaching, I think this is after they failed to go in. Uh, and they, uh, the Israel is journeying along the way, and they come uh, to um, King Sion, Sion, the Amorites, and, and they... Uh, Balak, who is the king of uh, the Moabite king, yeah, the Moabites. Balak, and remember where the Moabites came from, um, the daughters of Lot. Mm-hmm. The Ammonites and the Moabites came when, remember, after Lot was delivered out of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Uh, and so now nation groups. Remember, God told Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Yeah. And uh, so we have the Edomites from Esau. We have the Moabites from Lot, the, the Ammonites from Lot. Uh, th- these people groups that are they're beginning to grow up around them. And so uh, they, they call on uh, King Balak, calls on... Balaam, who is a prophet from over in Persia, mm-hmm. from from the east, and he tells him to come on and cast a a, a curse a curse on Israel, and we have that chapter twenty two of Numbers where this man's this preacher they hire this preacher to come over and put a curse on him, and his donkey talks to him, to him, Balaam and his donkey. The donkey actually talks. To his own. It, so, it is so powerful to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the bigger themes, and we're going to go to a break here in just uh-huh. a minute, but uh, about mercy and justice and seeing how God is enacting mercy uh, and justice simultaneously, and how the Israelites might not even have experienced or known the mercy, but to see Balaam. And yeah. th- th- that is a really interesting. That's it, kind of the two different approaches you and I have taken and seen. In the, I kind of back up and kind of get that broad thing to seeing this as a Israel and this formation of Israel and the preservation of Israel in the in the as part of God's redemptive plan for all of humanity through the centuries. And you're looking at the details of how God, what's God saying about Him, revealing about Himself in that given moment with these people. And, and, and they're both very, very appropriate ways to look at the passage. We'll be back in just a moment. There's our music, 210-340-9585 is our phone number. We're going to take a quick break and come right back to continue our consideration of these chapters from the book of Numbers in the Bible. Don't go away. Jesus, friend of sinners, that fits right into oh, yes. our theme uh, that we're seeing here in the mm-hmm. book of Numbers, uh, that God is dealing now with the people of Israel. If they come out of Egypt, they've been at the base of Mount Sinai for about 12 or 13 months. Now they're, they've been told to move out. The, the tabernacle has been built. It's in the middle of the uh, the traveling, you know, whatever, you know, some have estimated two to three million people. Uh, the tribes are organized around the tabernacle, and they move as a huge camp of people up through um, up through the wilderness here of Paran. And um, it's not that long a journey, actually, up to Canaan, up to the Promised Land. It should have been a matter, uh, perhaps even a week or so. Uh, and then they should go right on in and they're ready to go. They've got their warriors have been counted. They've got six hundred over six hundred thousand soldiers, uh, and they're ready ready to go in. Uh, everything seems to be in preparation for them. Uh, they have been taught. They they know who their God is. They understand the link with with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their four you know their their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you it, were just well, go ahead, and then Stace. also in terms of um, being set apart and different from other nations, they do not have a king. They do not have a. I mean, Moses is leading them, but then early on, he uh, he is given seventy men that mm-hmm. will come alongside and help him lead, and um, and so it's a kind of a decentralization. Clearly, 
who their leader is and who their God is God. God, <laughs> and, yeah. And and we have the pillar of fire by night, the cloud mm-hmm, by day, mm-hmm. the, and, and the trumpets. I mean, the, everything seems to be together if they if they get it that they are the people of God and God is guiding them. Now, here's I guess what I was trying to point out a while ago is that any time you talk about Israel, in this case, in this moment, it takes shape. Generally, there is a certain group of people who are united in their vision and understanding of the true and living, the one true living creator God. Now, we're going to find out later in chapter 22, they bring in this outside prophet from over in Persia. Mm-hmm. This is over uh, probably in the area of Babylon or, uh, or even maybe Nineveh, but th- he's not with their group. This this uh, this Moabite king tries to hire a a prophet, a seer from over in that other part of the world to come over and put a curse on Israel. Mm-hmm. And that is chapter 22 and 23 are very, very interesting because Balaam, this this prophet, they try to hire him. They're going to pay him money. And and but but Balaam, there's you know, I, I'm not going to. Start off and say, well, Balaam was true, living God. He was after you. We don't know for sure their hearts and where they were, but Balaam did under did hear from God. God spoke to him, yeah. and Balaam heard his voice, and and Balaam obeyed God. Uh, so, th- so, what I'm trying to say is that remember the idea of the Creator God and the flood and all that. That has made its way in other people groups as well. There are other groups around planet Earth that they knew about God. Right. And some right. of them, Balaam among them, it looks like, right. was a seeker after that God, the right. true living God. And and so people of Israel would run into people like that all over throughout their history. Right. And there would be a link. Remember Melchizedek that Abraham ran into right. that was a prophet of the true and living God. Mm-hmm. So... We just always have to keep a context for understanding the big, big picture. And at the same time, then it gives us a way to look at the the small, the specific event and people in a given moment. It gives us added understanding of some of those incidents, some of the things that happened to them. So in chapter 11 is where we started our readings this past week. They, they, uh, they, start, they complained to Moses. They've been given... Um, Manna, they, they've been given a great deal, and God has spoken to them. They've gotten instructions and guidance. They complain to Israel uh, in chapter 11. The first thing they complain about is they begin to complain about, oh, for some meat. I'm a carnivore myself. I <laughs> they, love steak. They were and, Texan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Texan. Uh, I'm West Texas, actually, there are more cattle than there were people up in Amarillo <laughs> where I was raised. And so, yeah, I like a good steak. I like meat. And so they began to complain we remember the fish we used to eat for free in egypt and mm-hmm. cucumbers you know they have the nile river they go fishing and melons and leeks and onions and i can see their mouths sort of the mouth began to kind of water as they talk, thought about all the food that they had back in, when they were in slavery and um so then they get this thing called manna and the word manna means what is it literally that's the meaning of the word so they just 
the whatchamacallit. <laughs> Go get some of that whatchamacallit, you know, the, kind of the idea of manna. Uh, it, it looked like small colander seeds. It was pale yellow like gum resin. The people go and gather it from the ground. Uh, it came with the morning dew, and they would bake it into cakes and with olive oil, and there it was. It came, it came with the dew during the night, the, the morning dew. So then uh, at the same time, meat, and so they're going to get, you know, God's going to bring in quail. I loved quail hunting when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, this is astounding, though, that the wind blew in from the sea. And I don't know if it's the same kind of quail that we have. Maybe it was a different, you know, I don't know how it blows in from the sea. I don't know if that's still a phenomenon over that part of the world. Maybe some of our listeners would have some info about this. But God sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. Yeah, that's kind of like quail. Remember when, when we we went quail hunting this uh, last spring, didn't we? Yeah. And, um, yeah, they, they stay pretty low. And uh, we we shot them down, and I guess <laughs> the quail would go get them, and the people would go gather them and the quail, and uh, um, they had meat that God gave them, and and, and also there them. I just want to mention one: Moses chooses seventy leaders, like you said, Stacy. There are six hundred thousand people. This is a huge group of people, and Moses is leading kind of by himself. Uh, uh, he's helped by Aaron and the, you know the Levites and so on, but. Then he chooses these 70 men who are leaders and elders from the different tribes of Israel, and they kind of delegate and form a little bit of delegated uh, power and communication down to the different tribes. Uh, That's a good thing to focus on as well. Uh, All of that, all of these practical things are taking place at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, it does seem like Numbers is also kind of a series of the people wanting something and God giving it to them, whether or not it reminds me of that Lewis quote, all get what they want, not all always like what they get. (laughs) They don't uh, want what they get. All get what they want, but they don't want what they get. And it does feel very much like parenting a toddler, too, in Mm. in a way. Um, But where where God says, okay, you know, you don't want to go into the promised land? Well, all right. You're going to all be struck by disease, and the rest of you are going to wander for 40 years. You're getting what you want. Um, And it just kind of, uh, while all along, though, he's still preserving them. He still loves them. He's still keeping his covenant. And they might not feel as if they are loved and cherished by him, but he never leaves them. He's never forsaking them. It's just kind of this uh, cycle of allowing them or teaching them to trust him. Like I am, you know, to, to become really a father, I guess, to the nation. I remember them. this. I remember what you said. Well, I don't know if it was two or three Sundays ago when we were talking about um, we were talking about Abraham walking through. They have these animals, sure. and God made yeah. a covenant, and he didn't, it wasn't, he made a covenant. It wasn't a covenant with Abraham. There was there was a covenant. There was a, a pact, that, an arrangement that God made with Abraham and his descendants if they would follow him. But th- th- there was a spiritual dimension aspect. That was kind of the earthly aspect of it. Mm-hmm. If you'll follow me, if you'll trust me, I'll bless you, I'll keep you, I'll use you, mm-hmm. and you will be a blessing to all the nations. There was a, a physical, earthly aspect of that covenant, but uh, or a covenant or contract, but there was also a spiritual aspect of the contract 
that God says, I'm going to use you to bless all the nations of the world. And, and he's talking about it. And in that, God made that covenant with himself, right? I mean, do you remember we were talking about him walking through that mm -hmm. uh, yeah, covenant? Was it Genesis 15 there? Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and, exactly. and God covenant said, I am going to. I'm going to redeem humanity. I'm going to create a redemptive plan and that I'm going to carry it out. Yeah. And now I, I see a little bit of that now. What's happening here is that, yes, uh, at some level, these people, Moses and Aaron and Miriam and all these people, all these little adventures we read about mm -hmm. uh, here, and Miriam rebels against her own brother. Miriam is Moses' sister, of course, older sister. And she gets jealous of the power he has. And, the, and, and they kind of rebel against Moses. And we see that uh, uh, in chapter 12. Miriam, and she gets covered with leprosy. I mean, she, uh, God heals her thanks to the prayers of her brother Moses. But what I'm trying to say is that we have all these individual pictures, but uh, in the incident, it's got... But, Overall, it's like you said, it's very clear here that God is God is the mover. He's yeah. the shaker. He's the one, in spite even of their, their faithlessness, mm -hmm. in spite of their unfaithfulness, in spite of their doubts, in spite of their complaining, in spite of their sin and their wickedness and their failures, God still is working in, with, around, and through them to carry out. He's still committed to them. He stays with them and works with them. And, and, and eventually we see he sustains them for 1,500 years mm -hmm. to bring Jesus the Messiah comes out yeah. of these people. And, 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 and the redemptive plan of God is carried forward. But you, it's clear in these passages that it's God that's doing it. Yeah. It's oh, not yes. because they were so obedient and so faithful, right. and so and the same way today, Stacy. Look at look at our world today. Yeah, God's people him. are we're God's people are here in San Antonio. Yeah. There are there are people who belong to God. God is at work in and through and with our lives, and yet are in, in this nation of America, mm -hmm. and yet clearly, if we were to take and write a book of numbers about the United States. With, with you know, eighty million babies have been aborted and murdered. Uh, we've got all kinds of perversions and all kinds of sexual impurity, all kinds of, of economic w w power mongering and materialism, materialism of all kinds, selfishness, greed, um, all kinds of power mongering. You know, among the politicians and everything. we have all kinds of wickedness going on, and yet. God would use his people. I yeah. think there's one thing we can get from the book of Numbers. Yeah. If we, if my people, the Bible says, and remember that wonderful passage in Second Chronicles 5.17, if my people who are called by my name, it's always there that God is there ready to use us, his people, in tiny little ways in our families and neighborhoods, at our workplaces, and even in big ways. It, depending on our level of influence and how God would use us, God is ready to use. That, I think, is one of the great lessons from this book of Numbers, yeah. th that God has made a covenant with himself, right. and it's up to us to act on it, trust in it, believe it, and make ourselves available and look for how God would use us 
even in a messy, messy world, uh, even with all of our problems, God will use us as we humble ourselves before him. Well, we've got chapters 11. We have the 70 elders. It reminds me a little bit. The quail. Yeah. Oh, well, well, some of that, too, when you talk about... um, you know, God, God allowing sometimes some of those smaller, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to say that make light of something like, uh, you know, an addi- an addiction or some sort, mm-hmm. but, but allowing some of those hiccups and those shortcomings to spare us from um, what ultimately, and then looking at the death, you know, and and how yes. he is. Um, teaching and kind of a lot of those laws and a lot of what he set up is for to to establish that death is the enemy and he is the mm-hmm. very opposite of death. He is holiness and life, and he is working in these people to separate them from death and unto life. And mm-hmm. um, and how that's he very kind clear of, in some of the yeah, instructions he gives right. them about touching a dead body and all of his different instructions in terms of worship, in terms of the way they live and so on, all of them seem very clearly two things designed to avoid death. That message is clearly in all of the instructions and guidance and that following his ways, obeying and trusting will lead to life. It enhances life. Whereas disobeying, not trusting him, not obeying, it will lead to, and it does, it leads to death, not only diseases, suffering, not crime. It leads to immorality and suffering at that level and children. And mm-hmm. it, you're right. But uh, ultimately, right, that's, that's part of the basic yes. instructions, too. And so you see a lot of his mercy kind of being shown through his justice being shown. In other mm-hmm. words, I mean, it, like it says, you know, what kind of a father would just let a child do whatever it, it wants? The child might not feel as if, oh, this is my dad's mercy actually on me by spanking me. But you kind of see that quite a bit at where God's actually showing great mercy by disciplining them. Mm. By um, Well, all along, and that's why I still love Balaam. It's so funny, you know, what mm-hmm. Balaam says about the people of Israel might not even be what the people of Israel. It reminds me of what a, a, a parent might say to somebody else about their child, uh-huh. right? <laughs> like, my child is the best child in the world. I, um, They're mighty. They're wonderful. They're perfect. <laughs> Whereas the child might not feel like that. So, a little brat. Right, yeah. right. But um, it's just a... a I I love I don't know it's very helpful for me to read numbers kind of through the lens of a father mm, parenting. Yeah. Um, and it you, really is. Yeah. It's messy if you if you don't have a general kind of understanding and approach of what God is doing. It seems um, harsh, incredibly messy. M- you know, harsh, you d- messy. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You get what? What was that all about? Who? who what's? It? I mean, they're interesting stories. Yeah. The individual episodes are, when 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 Miriam and Aaron rebel against Moses. It's an interesting story, but you think, well, what is that about? What? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And what is? It, what's the big picture of that? And not only just that moment in the life of this people of Israel. Or the snakes and the bronze serpent. Yes, or, all of those. Yes, yeah. or the, and, and, of course, Balaam. <laughs> That's Balaam a big one. and the, he, <clears throat> he's gathering firewood, and, and, yes. and he's, 
he's sentenced to death there for yes. gathering the five witches. The, yeah. There are these incidents that we re- look at and we read about and we go, what is that about? This, the, in, <clears throat> in chapter 11, the quail are provided. Chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron complain about all of Moses' power. Remember the priesthood back in Egypt, they were the only ones exempted from the totalitarian rule and control of the Pharaoh. The priests back in the time of Joseph were the only ones exempt, exempted from surrendering all of the the priests in Egypt exercised a great power. And so Miriam and Aaron, they remember that and they, and they want to get in on some of that influence and some of the benefits. Uh, and so they uh, rebel against Moses. And of course we see Miriam gets, uh, she is given leprosy, but, and she would die except that Moses prays for her. Mer- Moses intercedes and, and uh, w- taking proper, following the directions of God, Miriam is restored and healed. But then in chapter 13, you have the 12 scouts that are sent into the land. And and like you said, Stacy, they don't have the faith. Only Caleb and Joshua of the 12, only Caleb and Joshua believe it and say, let's go in at once to take the land because God is with us. We can certainly do this. But the other 10 were so, oh, no, we can't. We're like, we're like, you know, grasshoppers to them they're so big they're so great and um so as you said god punishes them by giving them what they wanted (laughs) it's it is when you think of it that way of course in many ways and many times god does instruct us and guide us and teach us and correct us at one moment by giving us we've all had times like that when god is just okay you wanted this soapy you're gonna you know and you get what you you know you, you want and then you you grow and learn hopefully from those different experiences and we see we see a lot of that happening here with the people of israel right. as and god trains them and works with them and yet so and yet not fully what um you know he was going to destroy them and moses kind of stands up and says wait no but god you said on your promise, based mm-hmm. on what you said. And I just, I love yes. that. You get the sense that God wasn't really going to destroy them. But, yes. But exactly. loved to, to be able to see Moses do that and stand up and remember. And You and know, Stacy, I have taken that on, and maybe that's a good takeaway for our listeners tonight. One practical thing you can take is several times here, Moses steps in mm-hmm. and like his Aaron and his sister, mm-hmm. they both rebel against his brother and his sister rebel against him. They question his authority, his and he said even God says he's the most humble. And Moses intercedes for them, mm-hmm. and then the people of Israel fail God and they they disappoint God, and and so God says oh, I'm just going to destroy them and start all over with you, Moses. You're going to be the the new Noah, the new Adam, the new Noah. You, I'm going to bring out a people from you to do to carry out my plan and moses says no god remember like you said remember you said and if if you you know and several times we see and i i think and i look at that in the life of daniel i see that in the life of david and others one of the things we need to be praying as god's people we're praying for america today mm-hmm. are praying for our world are praying about the coronavirus praying about the political situation praying about this 
we need to pray from God's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, what, what he is doing, and call for your name's sake, Lord, mm-hmm. for your kingdom's sake, for your, for, not just because, you know, I want what I want and my right. political party didn't win, right. or even, even economic strategies. Now, when these things enter into the world of morality, of being good and evil, yes, we can pray for your name's sake, Lord, mm-hmm. you, for your holiness, for your righteousness. Yeah. I think that's something we can take from these lessons in our prayer life. Many of us are praying for America these days. We're praying for our leaders. We're praying for the process, our, our city, our county, our state, our nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that we are praying. Try to pray from God's perspective, right. you know, for for your which, namesake, for your kingdom's which sake. Which we could know that what, because what we want is often so misguided. We don't even know what we want half the time. If we knew everything, I love that one quote, right? If we knew everything God knows, we would want exactly what is happening. <laughs> well, exactly what God is going to do is what we would want. Yeah. And, uh, and we, so let's pray so that way. Let's pray that way, yeah. Well, in chapter 13, 14, God deals with the people because they refuse to go into the promised land. Thank you, John, mm-hmm. for remembering that. Um, I had potted down the music. Our music might be coming on any second here. But uh, so Moses intercedes for the people, mm-hmm. and and God punishes them. Uh, but uh, they are they are restored. They are uh, they are not destroyed. He, they're punished, disciplined, but not destroyed. Um, let me see in chapter, and that's in chapter 14. Now, let me see. What is, is that where they have the snake? No. Oh, he punishes them by not allowing them to enter the promised land. And all the children, all the male children, 20 years old and older, will die off. They will not be able to enter the promised land. And now we go to chapter 15. They pick up on the laws that God would give them further instructions about offerings that would be given to the Lord. And we see that story that you mentioned, Stacy. One day while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. The people who found him doing this, which was against God's laws, they took him before Moses and Aaron, and they ended up, actually, the judgment was that he was to be that little incident. Some people say, well, what? He was just gathering firewood on the Sabbath. Why would that, why would that be in the Bible? Why would that have been instructed? We'll come back and talk about it in just a moment here on The Bible Live. You can call in anytime you'd like with a comment or a question or an answer for us. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. You know, that's uh, I love that sentiment, Jesus. I'll never forget, but just very likely come Wednesday of this, I will. <laughs> uh, will have forgotten. We do tend to. You'll remind me, won't you, Stacy? Oh yes. Okay. That's okay. What I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> That's what our wives are for, and our children. <laughs> no, I tell you what. You, you get we. You get the picture, folks. We can sit here and be condemning of the people of Israel, 
for all I mean this seems to us looking back with all the information we have and you know we've read the rest of the book and we know what happens well it seems incredibly stupid on their part what do they do you know, but then we really, we do the same oh, thing yeah. Yeah. individually yeah. and as as God's people in the community and in our churches we get crosswise with each other. We have church splits. We get power. You know, people want power and struggles. Well, that's what happens with uh, uh, here in chapters 15 and 16. That these first it's Miriam and Aaron, then it's Korah's rebellion. Uh, <clears throat> some of these leaders get so upset that Moses is exerting, exercising such great power, and and, and yet, and God deals with them very clearly deals with them and then he decides in chapter 16 he says i'm i'm just going to destroy all of them and start all over with you moses and and then moses says no lord don't do that you know and he prays for them again and 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 so god spares them but it says 14,700 people died in a plague mm-hmm. as a result of the consequence of you know of their sin and rebellion we can we can learn from this. We can see that God is at work. Yes, there are immediate consequences in our lives. Things do happen as a consequence of our sin and rebellion. And sometimes we suffer not because of our own sins. Mm-hmm. That's another principle you can see here. Yeah. Sometimes good people suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just this week uh, we've had some very very good friends. Yeah. that died from the coronavirus mm-hmm. and, and, and receiving notice from a couple of couples that we know on staff with Campus Crusade. We've served with them. And other, and and, uh, and I'm not saying that COVID is a consequence of sin, uh, although it seems more and a more that something went on, a fall, sure. and, yeah, a fallen world. Uh, but... You know, we're not necessarily given a pass. It's never sometimes right. the suffering or the struggles that we experience are because of the sin and the failure and the lack of faith of someone else's mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. And we should know. I mean, Moses, you know, took a hit on right. his right. and, and as you pointed out during the break, we're going to see later even Moses himself is right. denied entry into the promised land because he messes up. And I think ultimately that's where you do have to look back to that Genesis to that Genesis verse um, and have to sort of view those afflictions and those happenings in that broader but but the ultimate the spiritual God's going to take the ultimate punishment on our behalf. So yes. So all of these things. And you're talking about Jesus. And, and I'm the, talking about yeah. yeah Jesus. And so in other words, he's the one that walked through you know that covenant with Abraham, uh, where he, where you know it, the deal was. <laughs> Uh, God is going to make Abraham a large nation. He's going to multiply his descendants. Many nations, actually. Many nations. Mm -hmm. And Abraham, though, had to be faithful to God. Abraham, though, his part in that was to be faithful, to trust him, to... And, uh, the, and pass that on to his children. Right. And the punishment Isaac. for mm-hmm. either one of them not living up to their end of the bargain was death. And so, uh, you know, Jesus walked, or God, mm-hmm. you know, walked through the center of those mm-hmm. uh, those cut animal. The cut animals are cut in half and in mm-hmm. two. And the idea is, if you don't 
live up to your, you're going to be like these animals. You're going to be cut in two and killed. And so that was a blood path. And so God walked between it. And Abraham turns white when it comes his turn to walk through because he knows he's not going to be able to. He knows it's basically a death sentence if Mm -hmm. he does it. And God says, nope, you step back, Abraham. And so when Abraham was a... He, God says, I will walk through for you as well. In other words, mm. I'll take the punishment. Anyway, and that, and that just is a, is a reminder. It sure that is. It's a reminder that essentially the covenant, the redemptive narrative of God, the redemptive plan of God, yes, we are involved, we're included, we're part of the process, but we're not essential. God is carrying, we know that it, it's it's all about God. Right. And, and yes, we will... Uh, receive there will be consequences mm-hmm. for things mm-hmm. there will be mm-hmm. but if we stick with with him mm-hmm. <laughs> if mm-hmm. we on his if we are like cling to right, him and if we are like moses yes. who says not because of anything we did but for your name's sake mm-hmm. god remember for your name's sake mm-hmm. your mercy your mercy yeah. mm-hmm. then even those small punishments we are never condemned we are never dead in our sin <laughs> we are yeah, when it comes to the redemptive plan of God, in some ways we're like, we're like uh, the old West Texas thing. It's like, it's like breakfast. You know, bacon and eggs. Oh yeah. And a breakfast. Well, if you make a good breakfast, you have the chicken, you have the pig. You know, the the chicken's involved, but but the but pig, the pig he's committed. <laughs> and, and we're I like the chicken. We're, we're, we're like involved. the chicken. You know. <laughs> But God's committed. He's he's all in, and Aww. He takes. You know, um, I had never heard that. <laughs> well, it's it's West Texas wisdom, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, but that's that's something that comes out in the Book of Numbers. Here we see God's faithfulness, His power at work, yeah. and yet it takes place in an earthly setting and stage. And people are hurt. People are pay the price for their diff- their own failures, and maybe failures of others. But God is at work carrying out his plan, keeping his promises. Mm -hmm. And we see Moses here hanging in there, trying to be God's man and trying to handle all of the disbelief and all of the frustration of these people and all of the jealousies. Uh, It's it's a remarkable thing to see him. Before we move into kind of the the end and and more of the Balaam story, Mm -hmm. also... Yes, move to the Balaam story. Well, real quick, though, Uh also this is where he establishes uh, the priesthood. Is that right? In um, in Numbers? Yes. And he establishes that the Levites will be the tribe from which the priest will be Yes. Chosen. At first, we remember, I think I mentioned that at the first of the program, that it was going to be the firstborn of every family was going to be the group. That was the covenant group that made in Egypt mm-hmm. at, at the Passover time. Mm-hmm. And then here in chapter, I forgot what chapter, he, he replaces then the, the firstborn uh, uh, chapter three, if you want to read it, redeeming the firstborn sons, the the standard is changed from the firstborn of every family. That he, in this census, they find out that there are uh, t- twenty two thousand two hundred and seventy three firstborn sons that belong to God, and then they said, take the Levites as substitutes for the firstborn sons, and to the people of Israel. And so there were 22,000 Levites. There are 273 firstborn sons, 273 more firstborn sons 
than there are Levites. Okay. And God even deals with this is very exact. He says, then we give the amount of uh, silver for each of those 273. You must collect of uh, five. I think it's five silver pieces for each of the extra uh, firstborn sons. In other words, this was down to the individual. And that's when it switched from being the firstborn of every family to the, the tribe of Israel was going to be the, the, the those were going to be the men the, the tribe that God would use to minister the to, tribe of Levi. to in, under with Levi to minister to the people of Israel. Right. Yeah, it, it's uh, there's some remarkable things we see here. Um, chapter, let me see, what did we get? We got chapter 16. We see Korah's rebellion. There's another rebellion of people against the power and influence of 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 uh, M- Moses and Aaron. And then chapter 17, we see that remarkable miracle where they make it clear that Aaron is God's appointed man to do this. And they take a a, a staff, a piece of wood from each one of the leaders of, of the tribes of Israel. And they put them in the uh, in the tent of meeting in, in the tabernacle overnight. And the next morning, Aaron's staff. Uh, sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced ripe almonds mm-hmm. overnight, just this that, while the others did not. And so that was the sign and the signal to them that, look, it is Aaron. This is my plan. Yeah. And then their response is to Moses, look, we are doomed. We are dead. We are ruined. Everyone who even comes close to the tabernacle of the Lord dies. Are we all doomed to die? Uh-huh. Interesting, isn't yeah. it? That, yeah. that seems to be their perception was... This God is so holy, and so we even get. Um, but uh, God made it clear that Moses and Aaron were His assigned leaders. And in chapter eighteen, we go to how the Levites and the priests would be supported through these sacrifices and the offerings of the other people. I always have to remember that, uh, and I try to remind folks that remember. At the tabernacle, and later on at the temple, there was an altar, and they, they, you know, they slaughtered all these lambs and these goats and these bulls and these animals that were, uh, that, in some ways, it's kind of like the covenant. God had an earthly aspect; it had an earthly common sense application, right. yeah. and yet at the same time, it was uh, had a, a deeply spiritual overlay as part of God's plan. The same thing with these. Offerings. They they were there to to be the the way a man expressed his repentance and his of his sins to God, and, and he seri- trusts God. And the seriousness, of recognition yeah, yeah. of the substitutionary mm-hmm. atonement mm-hmm. that this animal's blood was shed. You yeah. know the seriousness of sin. So there's this deep spiritual meaning to these, and at the same time, each sacrifice, the grain and the animals, went to feed. Very practical application: give food and sustenance to the Levites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's kind of one of those paradoxes as well in the sense that the, the, the two aspects of it right. that we see throughout it. Now, the water of purification in chapter 19, um, that's something uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure I get it all. It has to do with what you said earlier about death. Somehow this water of purification was the idea that that it purified someone if they were made ceremonially impure by touching a dead body, uh, other ways that they would become impure, uh, that this ceremonially pure water 
was there to overcome this idea of death. Uh, permanent law for the people of Israel, any foreigners who live among them, uh, this ceremony of, 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 of ceremonially washing, uh, is, but, but the enemy seems to be death. Right. If you yeah. touch death, you come in contact with a human body or a dead body or you're around death um, or an animal even, you know, this water of purification. That's, it's, a, it's, an, a, it's a remarkable chapter, 19, that deals with that. And then we come to Moses messes up. He, he is told the people want water. Uh, they're worried they're going to die of thirst. And, of course, God has sustained them all along. And yet, I don't know, all the people or some of the people, a significant number of the people uh, are worried. And Moses is told to take your staff and go up and speak to the rock. Remember the last time Moses was asked to do something, he said he was asked to strike the rock and water came from it. But in this case, this case, Moses goes. To, uh, they gather at the rock, and Moses says, "Listen, you rebels! Must we bring you water from this rock?" Then Moses raised his hand, and instead of speaking to the rock as he had been instructed, he strikes it twice with the staff, and water gushes out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, that goes right over my head. Mm. I don't exactly know what that meant. But God had clearly told him not to strike, but, but to speak to the rock. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've heard things over the years that that might have, you know, that might have been Jesus or uh, the, I, I don't the rock, you know. The mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that meant, but but he he definitely disobeyed God, and he says, as a result, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. And this was a place called Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. So that's that's the story of why Moses now is going to be refused entrance into the promised land uh, whenever they get ready to go they will be led by Joshua mm-hmm. when we get ready to go into the promised land but we see there in chapter 20 we see the death of Aaron uh, and the the nation mourns over him uh, they they begin to experience some victories in battle uh, they begin God seems to give start preparing them for the promised land the battle that because he starts giving them some smaller battles mm-hmm. some smaller uh struggles and and they win and it encourages them and gives them um you know gives them confidence that they can do they can obey God and God will uh be true and faithful to them and also we see that bronze snake uh, that Jesus refers to in the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, this incident with the people uh, of Israel set out from Mount Hor to take the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Uh, but the people grow impatient with the journey. They begin to speak against God and Moses, complaining again. And the uh, Lord sends poisonous snakes among the people. Many were bitten, bitten and died. And so they cry out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord will take away the snakes, and so Moses prayed. Now that's interesting. That's one time when you see the actual the people themselves 
actually coming to the conclusion that they might be getting hey, it. Hey, we missed. <laughs> Maybe they're hey. getting it. Yes, we messed up. We sinned against you, Lord, and against Moses, against you. So Moses prayed for the people, yeah. and they make a replica of a poisonous snake in and brass, and they attach it to a pole. And all who are bitten, if they look at that that uh, poisonous thing, that that replica, they will be healed. In my lands, isn't that amazing? Numbers yeah. is so full. You know, numbers kind of reminds me of Narnia. I know that sounds yeah, like a. It does. But it does. Almonds bursting to life from a staff. Narnia, folks. Uh, if you don't know, the uh, we're talking in. Uh, Dad has read to our. We've read to our children all these. Uh, this Chronicles of Narnia. You know, the lion, Aslan, and, and so on. And, yeah, yeah, she's referring to the – sometimes reading numbers seems like it you're does. reading the book of – Talking donkeys, <laughs> staff, you know, that, that turn to almond – have sprout almonds. Yeah, yeah. This with the, the staff that – with the bronze snake. And oh, yeah. There's a lot of animals and just interwoven. Well, Lewis was a believer, you know, so he, <laughs> he yeah. probably got some of his best oh, ideas right out I'm of the sure, Bible. right out of numbers. Yeah, Israel has journeyed to Moab. Now we come to this journey in chapter 22 where they're going to be um, – this is – this is kind of been building up to this. Israel's journey to Moab, and they, they have a victory over Sion and this king named Agog. And then they come to the plains of Moab, and the, the king of Moab, Balak, he's the son of Zippor, the Moabite king – and they had seen everything. They've been watching Israel, you know, they what they did to the Amorites and and all and they were very terrified, of course, of this two million people, this six hundred and three thousand warriors that are coming. And and they're very concerned. So Balak, the king of Moab, sends messengers to this man named Balaam over in the east, in the land of Pethor. Uh, and we learn that that's near the Euphrates River. And look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth. They are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me, for they are too powerful for me. Uh, and I need you to come and curse them, and we'll pay you big bucks. Now, I can't read the whole section again to you. If you'd like to, you can go to thebiblelive.com, and you can find that reading. Uh, this was read, to uh, I think, on Thursday or Friday, and you can hear that reading or just read it yourselves from your Bible. But it's this man named Balaam, he was a prophet, a seer, and he is a believer in the in some level, we don't know exactly, but in the true and living God. And he knows what's going on. He has heard about these these there there are schools of these prophets and seers that Daniel later on was a part of that and so on. That they know and they study the movements of people, groups and nations and and so Balaam knows about this, and he says, no, I'm not going to go and curse Israel. I'm not going to curse them. Uh, uh, even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. That's verse 18 and 19 in, in chapter 22. Uh, but stay one more night, and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say. So Balak sends a delegation over to, to recruit Balaam, and that night God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but do and say only what I tell you. And so the next morning Balaam got up, he saddled his donkey and started off to go back with the Moabite officials. 
Uh, but God, and then it says, but God was angry that Balaam was going. And so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the rock to block his way. And Balaam and his two servants were riding along. And Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword. The, the donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at the place where the road narrowed between the two vineyards. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to get by and squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood at a place too narrow for the donkey to get by. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam in a frill of rage. Balaam beat the animal again. Then the Lord gave the, the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? <laughs> okay, uh, that's enough. Uh, but, but that's why it reminds you of Narnia, it right? Does. Yes, that is why. His Aww. donkey actually talks to him. Um, now, in West Texas, they say, well, it wasn't the first time a donkey ever talked. You know, they call yeah. each other a donkey down there, up there sometimes. But here is this amazing incident. So anyway, after this whole thing, Balaam goes, and he cannot, he can't, they all, you know, they try to bribe him with great wealth and money, but he cannot curse Israel. God simply won't allow him. He, the sensitivity to God won't allow him. And um, I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. And and they sacrifice cattle and sheep. But he ends up, he cannot do anything but bless Israel. And you can read about it, chapters 22 and 23. He says, uh, Balak summoned me to come from Aram. The king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills, cursed Jacob for me, come and announce Israel's doom. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those? And so the king, Balak, demanded of Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but instead you have blessed them. He said, I can only say what God tells. And then he has a second message. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, Zippor. God is not a man, but so he does not lie. He is not human. And, and Balaam actually is aware of God's redemptive plan, his calling his hand on the people of Israel. Uh, God brought them out of Egypt. For them, he is as strong as a wild ox. And Balaam understands it and knows it, and he loses it. But here is where we, in chapter 24, we see him talking about the star that later on, centuries later, yeah. shines over Bethlehem. Whew, the book of Numbers is amazing. We'll finish it up this coming week and go on into the book of Deuteronomy. Go to thebiblelive.com and join with us as we read through the scriptures. We'll see you here next Sunday night on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel 
and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 